Good morning, Supers. I hope you're having an amazing day so far. Let's get started. We have a bunch of news stories this morning uh, to go through. Let's get started with China urges Hui, uh, the founder of Evergrande, to tap wealth firms to repay Evergrande. This is an Evergrande update. Uh, China has urged companies to make payments on offshore bonds and asked China Evergrande Group's billionaire founder Hui Kayan. I hope I'm not butchering that. Uh, apologies if I am. To tap his personal wealth to help solve the company's deepening debt crisis. Uh, Officials from the National Development and Reform Commission and the State Administration of Foreign Exchange told developers at a meeting in Beijing on Tuesday that they must make payments on time if possible. According to people familiar with the matter, any developer that can't meet its debt obligations must inform regulators immediately uh, the people said. Meanwhile, Hui, uh, who has collected more than $7 billion in dividends from the company over the last 12 years, uh, is facing pressure to dig into his own resources to ease the credit crunch at the embattled developer. His associate also pledged a house in Hong Kong as collateral for a loan. Uh, China has clamped down on the indebted real estate sector, making it difficult for developers to refinance as they face falling home prices and sales. Multiple developers have defaulted this month, although Evergrande made a coupon payment last week. The focus now turns uh, to the end of a grace period on another Evergrande dollar bond later this week with creditors bracing for the an eventual debt restructuring that could rank among the largest ever in China. Evergrande's bonds edge higher and its shares were little changed. So key developments uh, pledged. Uh, why did they put the key developments at the bottom? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, this um, this is kind of a big deal, I think, in my opinion. Uh, if they if. If China can actually put the pressure uh, on its on the founder of Evergrande to pay down some of the debts uh, with their with his own money, that is pretty incredible. That is not something that uh, I think it, I think it actually becomes more of a statement than anything about the um, quote unquote power of 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 communism and like yo like hey. We're communists, and this is how we run things. And and you know you can't just like get a golden parachute and jump out, you know, jump out the plane while everybody else goes down with the ship. So, you know, I uh, very much kind of applaud it. I I I don't know. I think personal responsibility take you know does start to take a you know, needs to be at play here. And I think that we here in America have been way too kind to uh, too many people who did get their goal in parachutes. Meanwhile, in countries, uh, I think like Greenland or Iceland or in Europe somewhere, they, you know, those those people that were responsible for 2008, uh, 2009 crash, uh, they were not just able to just basically go scot-free and, and go do whatever they wanted to do. Um People were held accountable, and I think that's one place that we are sorely missing uh, here in in the states is accountability uh, for for things like this. Because again, 
Uh, I I'm not pro Evergrande. I I you know somebody in the comments said, oh you know you're just promoting you know investing in China. No, I'm I'm not. What I'm what I'm saying is is that we are all affected in this global economy uh, based on what happens uh, in China. And if things belly up there, guess what? It's coming to our front doorstep. It's going to affect us. Um, so I. You know, I, I, at least in the in the short term. So I I I want to see people prosper. That's always first and foremost. People first. That is the goal. So next up, uh, we have Philly boy Jim Kramer. Uh, everyone who knows that I, you know I'm from I'm from the Philly area uh, has something to say about. The oil peaks. Charts suggest oil prices may peak soon, according to Kramer. Now, Kramer's not always right about everything. I don't always agree with everything he said. He says, even even though he is, uh, you know, a, a Philly boy, uh, oil may be near its peak if if historical patterns hold true. Uh, the Mad Money host turned to chart analyst Larry Williams for clues about the oil's potential top. If it uh, quote, if it's not quite ready uh, to peak in the next couple of days, we'll see. But going forward, he thinks you need to be a lot more cautious about what has become the easiest trade in the book. So I, uh, I am on board with 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 oil peaking with a lot of things peaking and hopefully starting to come back down that doesn't mean that it's going to crash uh it just means that like things are going to take time anything that plays out through the uh through the economy is you know takes time to uh to take root and and grow and see how it develops and how it affects all the nuances of our and the global economy um, so hopefully, fingers crossed, oil is peaking, and we uh, over the next say week to I don't know six months will continue to see it come down. It probably, hopefully, won't crash all at once. Uh, I mean, remember when remember when oil was uh, it was negative? It was a negative at one point. Um, yeah, crazy. But uh, <laughs> here here we are. Uh, and hopefully this is this is the peak, and it's going to to come down uh, from here. The the Trump SPAC slumps after a wild week of training. For anyone who doesn't know, it says spells special purpose acquisition company. So the shell company that plans to merge with former U.S. President Donald Trump's news media firm is losing some steam after last week's trading bonanza. Shares of Digital World Acquisition Corp. plunged nearly 30% after falling 11% on Monday. Digital World Acquisition Corp. skyrocketed by as much as 1,657% last week after Trump announced uh, on Wednesday a deal to list Trump Media and Technology Group through what's known as a SPAC or a Special Purpose Acquisition Company. Uh, Digital World Acquisition Corp. is listed on the NASDAQ. It's a blank check company that exists solely to merge 
uh, with private firms to take them public. After Trump's announcement, the company's shares took off. They finished up uh, 357% on Thursday and then climbed even higher on Friday, hitting a intraday peak of $175 before backing off somewhat. Shares of the firm ended up more than 845% for the week. Not everyone is excited by the deal, though. Iceberg Research tweeted Monday that it sees only risks for investors in the near future. Quote, now that initial excitement has passed. Based on Trump's track record, and this is all quoting, uh, based on Trump's track record at current price, renegotiation is likely to keep more of the merged company for him, the firm tweeted, uh, adding that it's shorting the stock. It added that while it doesn't have an opinion on how successful Trump's venture will be, uh, quote, SPAC holders don't own a piece of this project yet. Uh, quote, Trump has leverage, not them, said the company. Um, yeah, I, I mean, look, it, the, 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 the rocket couldn't last forever. It had to come down at some point uh, back down to earth or, or at least, you know, back off a little bit. Um, and the I guess the scary part is, is that, you know, they don't have you know, because you own the SPAC, um, and, and I'm not 100% familiar with how all, all the intricacies of a SPAC works, but from my um, understanding is that you're, you know, you're owning what will merge other companies together. So you will, I would assume you would get a split of that percentage at some point. Um, you know, look, the, the thing is, is Things can only go up so much before people like start to look around and be like, are we in a bubble? Uh, and what has this company produced so far? And as of right now, uh, it, it, it has produced nothing. Uh, so uh, other than a social network that um, isn't launched yet, supposed to launch in, in, I don't know, five months or whatever, six months. Uh, and that social network is based on a platform that they don't, really own the code or licensing for so uh they got that legal battle to go through as well uh as well as all the other big plans that they have that they want to accomplish awesome i'm all for it i think that they you know if donald trump really if his passion is really is is focused in that area go for it do do you um but at the end of the day you know when it comes to all the people that potentially could be left holding the bag uh the company you know digital world acquisition corp uh could very much um you know fall it could fall apart there's still a lot a long ways to go uh and being overvalued at this stage is is potentially potentially hazardous uh, to to its investors. Not saying that it won't go up. Not saying that it's going to absolutely fail. Uh, but it's still it's still a very risky play. Uh, and there, you know, when you don't have much to show for it just yet, uh, you're you know you're making money in the short term. Hopefully, in the long term, this is a long term play that can employ lots of people and uh, and really um, you know be be a force and ultimately challenge the you know the media. Uh, the you know the the media big wigs out there because uh, competition is a good thing regardless of what your you know your political beliefs may be may or may not be uh, competition is a good thing and if Trump if that's where his heart is then I hope he I hope he puts all of his his uh, his um, ability and people and money behind it to make it happen. 
Oh, man. Okay, so Tesla CEO Elon Musk criticizes Democrats' proposal to tax billionaires. Musk is the world's richest person worth about $300 billion. Uh, uh, Elon Musk took Democrats to task over the latest proposal uh, to tax the country's billionaires in order to help pay for the pre- uh, for President Biden President President Biden's signature economic spending plan. The proposal, if approved, would tax the unrealized capital gains of the country's ultra wealthy, including billionaires and those who make a hundred million dollars or more in income for three consecutive years. Uh, there are about 700 billionaires in the U.S., equating uh, to about 0.0002% of the country's population. Eventually, they, uh, quote, eventually they run out of other people's money and they come for you. Uh, Musk, the world's richest person, uh, tweeted on Twitter. Uh, Senate Democrats led by finance chair Ron Wyden of Oregon uh, are set to unveil unveil the proposal later this week. Democrats hope uh, to use the plan which would apply to stocks and other assets like real estate to help generate at least $200 billion in new revenue over the next decade. Uh, The plan has already been endorsed by some Democrats like Senator Warren uh, of Massachusetts, who has for four, uh, for years called on raising taxes on the wealthy. However, it is unclear how the plan sits with moderate Democrats like Joe Manchin of West Virginia or uh, Kirsten Cinnamon of the senator from uh, Arizona. I, I apologize. Um, who has opposed the size and makeup? So there's this video here, um, and this talks with a guy. I think his name's yeah Jeff Green, and he he's you know he's he's about a five billion, billion worth about five billion dollars or so, um, and his whole take on it is that it's kind of ridiculous. And he actually runs as a Democrat, and this was a pretty good back and forth. Um, I'll drop the link below so you can go and check out this this uh, seven minute video, but. Um, you know, he, he makes a few good points that like, Hey, you know, how do you, how do you figure out what something is worth? Yeah. Real estate's one thing, right? If you, if you have like capital gains tax on, on real estate year over year, when you start talking about like, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars and, or, or, or more. Right. Um, but like if I were to invest all my money into watches or all my money into paintings or all my money into NFTs, you know, well, I would say more, well, NFTs is like on a market kind of place, but I don't know, like, how do you, how do you value some of those things? And it kind of gets into a murky area where it's like the money might actually be forced into the market more because people are going to buy up NFTs. People are going to buy up. Uh, paintings or or you know watch expensive expensive things um but you know i at the end of the day i kind of i kind of feel like it's not so much about necessarily taxing the rich and i could be i could be mistaken here but i i think it's more about how do we get these people to not hoard so much money and get them to uh invest more money into the economy, right? By them holding on to as many assets and or or money, they're not pumping it into uh, into the market. And there was a video by uh, that I'll, I'll try to link below 
um, that explain like you know here talking to some guys that are you know multi 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 millionaires and they're like look I can only buy three pairs of jeans a year but the economy needs more than my three pairs of jeans a year to help you know be sustainable to keep prices low to be able to keep productivity up and and uh, you know all that so it's there's a give and take and uh in that video it talks about you know 90% of the wealth being held by the you know by 1% of the population and the last time that was uh that was was the uh, great depression so hopefully we're not necessarily sitting in a house of cards um and we can find a way that works for everybody and 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 Jeff Green you know talks about like oh well you know it's corporate tax like you know it, it, we maybe the t- corporate tax shouldn't have been back down uh, or, or you know, tax shouldn't have gone from, you know, 29% down to 21%. And taxes, it, it's very complicated. And I don't necessarily understand all of it the be- like to the best of my knowledge, you know, to the best of the internet knowledge that you could possibly get out there. But uh, – there, you know, there, there's got there, there's got to be a middle ground. Um, we need the money to be reinvested and people to the money to go into the people's pockets so that they can keep this whole, you know, the game of a, the game of um, capitalism going here. Because if it's if it's all held up by by a very small percentage of people, uh, things will ultimately grind to a halt. So uh, it's it's the way that you know, capitalism is supposed to, to work and, and way that we can keep the economy moving forward. Uh, so we'll, we'll be, uh, we'll be keeping in uh, tabs on this, uh, this proposal for unrealized, uh, what was it? Unrealized capital gains, uh, on the country's ultra, ultra wealthy, um, going forward. Twitter sl- uh, profits slump after settling long-running lawsuit. Uh, Twitter lost more than half a billion dollars in the three months to September uh, a- after it paid out $809 million to settle a long-running lawsuit. So it was accused back in 2015 of misleading investors over user engagement. However, despite this one-off charge a quarterly uh its quarterly revenue grew 37% as it managed to shrug off the impact of Apple's privacy changes which hit rivals such as Snapchat and Facebook and this sent Twitter shares up 3%. So it was an expensive class action uh in September Twitter agreed to settle its class action lawsuit with its shareholders dating back to 2016. The claim uh the suit claimed Twitter misled investors about how many users were active on the platform each month as uh as well as how frequently they viewed Twitter's timeline. The company denied any wrongdoing but agreed to use cash on hand to settle the claim, flagging that it could uh that it would hurt its bottom line this quarter. And that it did, with the social media giant uh, reporting a net loss of $537 million in the third quarter. So it goes in uh, to talk about the impact from Apple. And there were some bright sparks, though, for the San Francisco-based company. Unlike its rival Snap, whose shares plunged 25% last week, Twitter was relatively insulated from Apple's uh, privacy changes. It made $1.14 billion in advertising revenue during the quarter, labeling the impact modest as much as most of its advertisers do not rely on, he- uh, on he- highly targeted ads. 
the CFO, Ned Siegel, told a conference call with the analysts that the platform is expanding its targeted advertising business, such as by introducing topics that users can follow on Twitter. Uh, a lot of this is opportunity that's in front of us. The Apple privacy updates were rolled out broadly in June and prevent digital advertisers from tracking iPhone users without their consent. Facebook signaling uh, that they're causing the company headwinds when it's released uh, its early uh, earnings earlier this week. I, you know, honestly, I didn't even know that this lawsuit was still going on. Uh, it's one of the downsides of Twitter uh, is that you know there's lots of Twitter bots and it's very easy to create accounts and it's very unregulated, uh, somewhat unregulated. It's kind of still like the wild west of uh, of of the internet, and it, you know it's one of the things is like you're you know making a business off of you know the, on the backs of of people that um, aren't necessarily highly targeted but you know they're still able to make a make a living uh you know for the company and yeah it's it's kind of a shame that they um misled people in the first place and even if it was unintentional uh, i i think it's one of those things where it's like whenever i see you know people are like oh i got a million followers on twitter or something like that like I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I go and I look at the Twitter feed. It's like, have they got any engagement? Are they getting any, you know, is are they having conversations with people or are they just, you know, tweeting out the same 10 tweets over and over and over again or whatever and make, you know, making no engagement waves in the in the pool of Twitter. Always something to keep in mind when you're, especially as entrepreneurs or small business owners, when you're comparing yourself to other business owners, uh, other businesses and, and and all that on Twitter, Facebook, whatever, look for the engagement. If you, you know, engagement is a thousand times more important than, uh, than just having a huge following. Anybody can buy likes, anybody can buy follows. They're not worth, it's not worth anything. And in some ways it's actually hurting your, uh, your your platform on on those platforms you know you're you're following because you know thanks to the algorithm if it's you know if it's sharing it to those fake accounts and they're not there to see and interact with your content then it's going to die so not a good idea to uh to be buying things uh one last story then i have a question coming up here Woman claims strawberry Pop-Tarts don't have enough strawberry sues for $5 million. Oh, my gosh. Um, uh, Kellogg is being hit with a multi-million dollar lawsuit alleging its whole grain frosted strawberry Pop-Tarts are deceiving consumers, failing to warn them that strawberries are not its only fruit-filling ingredient. Strawberries are the product's character, uh, characterizing ingredient. <laughs> since there are, uh, since their amount has a material bearing on price and consumer acceptance, and consumers expect that a that they are present in an amount greater than other fruits. Uh, the product's common or usual name of whole grain frosted strawberry toaster pastries is false, deceptive, and misleading because it contains mostly non-strawberry fruit ingredients. Uh, namely, 
cheaper pears and apples, the suit said, a violation of state and federal consumer protection. The plaintiff, Elizabeth Russett of New York, claimed that she uh, would have not not bought the strawberry Pop-Tarts or would have only been willing to, uh, to pay less than what she did had she had known the truth. A similar suit is, was filed in August in Illinois uh, by Spencer Sheehan, an attorney based on New York, uh, based on New, York Long, uh, New York's Long Island is representing both women. A reasonable consumer knows that this is a toaster pastry, a quarter thick, a quarter inch thick. Uh, we know we're dealing with filling going into a pastry. Of that fruit filling, they should be able to expect that it's mainly strawberry. <sighs> the blueberry Pop-Tarts <laughs> are also uh, made with other fruits besides its namesake ingredient. In the case of apples and grapes, uh, that's acceptable because those front labels are marked naturally and artificially flavored. I uh, said Kellogg could add a similar disclaimer to its strawberry pop tarts, such as a marking, uh, marking it a mixed fruit on the label, or by including a percentage of each fruit. Consumers deserve to know that when they see something labeled as strawberry, it contain it mainly contains strawberry. Words have to have some meaning. Uh, Kellogg told NBC it does not comment on pending litigation. Uh, Under the FDA regulations, products must not be labeled in a false or misleading way. Uh, But some legal experts uh, who represent food and beverage companies in advertising and regulatory litigation don't think the strawberry Pop-Tarts are mislabeled. The claims asserted in these cases strike me as so weak that the courts confronting them may dismiss them as implausible. The notion that the plaintiff has moved to buy the products because of their belief that the products contain more strawberries than they actually do is likely to run into the reality that many, many consumers like the pro- like the products because of the trusted brand with which they are associated or even just the taste and the texture of the product. In a class action, uh, you would have to show a common belief of how much fruit it has. That's going to be a difficult uh, road to hoe. Oh, this just goes on and on. All right, so I, I don't mean to to laugh. Um, I think it's it's they're they're making a great point. Um, I, you know, I I don't dis- necessarily disagree with them. I think that Kellogg probably should just do the right thing and like add the labeling and call it a day. You know, it, it would take an afternoon and. In the meantime, they print go go get some stickers printed up and slap them on some boxes, and you're you know you're you're good to go. Crises averted. Five million dollars is the is pretty absurd. I mean, without going deeper into it, I mean, this just starts talking about other lawsuits um, that have you know cropped up over the years of, of food. Um, yeah, I, I can't imagine that this is going to go anywhere. Uh, and, and $5 million is just, it doesn't, it it didn't even explain why, like what, like what is, what, what is the thing, right? Like the next line says in 2009, Quaker Oats was sued for crunch berries, not containing any berries. 
apparently the berry flavor was not enough. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know. I can't see, I can't see this going, but if, if there is any updates, I will, uh, I will definitely be following up on it. Mike Huss, uh, I hope you're saying your name right. Why do you like faces, faces on pictures, Instagram? Uh, So this question comes from the comments. And the reason why I always say when I'm doing these, you know, Shark Tank reviews or business reviews uh, and going to the social media, going to the homepages, I like to see faces because faces enable people to self-identify with what they're seeing. They can see themselves there. They see what the person's wearing. They see how the person's wearing their hair, you know, where what they're doing in the in the photos and they can see themselves there without, you know, if you just take a picture of like something and it and it's just the thing, it can it can be powerful, but ultimately people like to see other people. It's one of the reasons why you watch commercials like uh, and and not every, this isn't going to translate for everybody that watches my channel because I we admittedly have a global audience, but here in the United States we have a ton of medical commercials and all of them seem to never really make a lot of sense. It's just a bunch of B-roll of people walking around, footage of people walking around doing things, enjoying life. And it's, you know, it it don't necessarily correlate to like what is the product or the medicine that they're trying to sell actually have to do other than you envisioning yourself there doing those things uh, and enjoying, you know, enjoying life because you have this medicine that you're taking Um, or any product for any for anything like that. So to me, faces help tell a story. Um, and in some cases I was thinking, you know, thinking about some of the business reviews that I did where they have these pictures, like they, they take a picture of their eatery, you know, where like an outdoor eating area. Awesome. Uh, or even an indoor eating area and they take it empty and then they put it on their website with no context to like show like, Hey, people actually come to our restaurant. People eat here. Look, I get that. It's not necessarily easy to get. A bunch of people and and to get a bunch of you know to go into your your restaurant take a photo and then put that photo on the website without like scrubbing out or blurring faces uh so that people can't be identified uh, to me i'd say call up your best friends and get a you know get a photographer and take some real good pictures with actual people in them take pictures with cars in front of your building take you know uh it doesn't always have to be faces but it could just be people in the photo uh, makes such a difference. Like you see it when you go through the Instagram feeds, the the ones with people or faces in them, almost always. And and faces can be dog faces, cat faces, animal faces. It doesn't just have to be people, but it depends on what you're selling. So you get those photos, you know, get a bunch of friends over, get the photos taken with, you know, permission for those photos. And then it looks like you have a, you know, a restaurant, you have a place that people are actually coming to, you know, with cars in the dry, in the, in the parking lot and stuff like that. That's why I love to see faces in the pictures or, you know, something to help self-identify with. Uh, thank you so much, Mike, for the question. If you have a question, please feel free to drop it down in the comments below, anywhere on any of the videos, in on in and on the channel, and I will answer them here. 
Uh, all right, so that wraps up the entrepreneurs for today, which was, I forgot to say that it's uh, Wednesday, October 27th, 2021. Uh, we have uh, a new uh, Shark Tank coming out on Friday, which is going to be great. I have an interview that uh, with one of the Shark Tank business owners that uh, was featured recently on the show. Uh, that'll be coming out probably next week because I'm going to be doing team, hashtag Team Seas, that's S-E-A-S, a video for that where we are all collectively YouTube uh, YouTubers working to uh collectively remove th- 30 million pounds of plastic from the sea and the ocean and the beach and the rivers uh together over the next like 6 months so uh i have a video you know a couple of videos coming out for that and i'll be talking about those types of t- articles uh this upcoming friday and probably working that in going forward as hashtag team sees gets underway and uh and maybe you know i'll be going and doing some uh waterway cleaning myself here in the coming months i kind of wish they had picked a warmer month uh, you know warmer uh, section of months so like it'd be easier to be at the beach uh but you know we'll uh (laughs) we're out on the boat so (laughs) we'll see but uh thank you again for listening if you have any questions please email me at joe at superjoeparter.com i will see you in the next entrepreneurs here on the Super Joe Pardo Show. Take care.